Well, hello, and you are listening to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, I'm at the Orlando FBI National Academy Associates Conference in Orlando, Florida, and uh, we're talking about a variety of issues that are facing law enforcement today, recruiting, uh, training, use of force, and others. And I'm fortunate, ran into uh, a former chief from Miami Beach Police Department, Don DeLuca. He was also the past president of IACP, and he's representing RAP. And you may have seen it on Police uh, One when we've advertised the RAP. And uh, it's a bolo, right? It's a bolo that shoots out. It's a projectile that wraps the legs of a, an offender. And, you know, we're just seeing the, the, the oncoming wave of technology and use of force options that we are eagerly awaiting. So cops are often under scrutiny when it comes to any level of use of force. We've seen the reduction of force options over the years, including the carotid restraint, body positioning. Some agencies have outlawed or never approved uh, tasers or axon uh, weapons. And so, so, Welcome to the show, Chief Don DeLuca. Thank you so much for having me, Jim. So Chief, uh, tell us a little bit about the BOLO. Um, how did it come about and how useful is it? Well, first, I think it's very useful. How it came about is a little over three, three maybe four years ago, inventor Woody Norris was approached by a, a few former cops and a businessman say, hey, we're looking for a tool that can you know, restrain somebody they actually wanted to use his uh, direct sound device, you know, that would stop people. You know, you raise your hands and Woody goes, you know, that might hurt somebody. But let me think about it. So Woody started studying policing, watching TV shows, and uh, he came up with the idea of the old bolas that they used over in Argentina, I assume. And somehow I'm saying this man is a genius, figured out from that conversation to looking at those police things to creating a device that is a remote restraint. And Jim, I don't have to tell you, you've been on the job. The optics of what we do, really important. People have a cell phone and uh, and we're caught in this place in policing where we go from talking to somebody to using pain compliance. So this device actually fills that gap. So it's an apprehension tool. You can no longer talk to somebody, but you know you have to get them help or take them into custody. They're in a mental health crisis. But you know they call you there to help their family member. And do you use a pain as a tool that's going to cause pain? You don't want to. So now you can explain to them, I'm going to apprehend this person by wrapping a cord around them. So it's found its place in policing. And uh, I tell everybody, being the past president of the ICP, I've seen the good, the bad in policing. But now we have this aha moment. You got to have it. And if you don't have it, you're going to be questioned, why don't we have a tool that can seen as humane, not hurt somebody, and help solve a situation before it escalates into something greater? So I think it's a, a must-have tool. I think it's been very successful. We're in over 550 departments. And today I'm working the booth. And now I know people know it. You no longer have to explain it. We could show the videos of the uses. It's an exciting time for us at RAP Technology. Yeah. So I just had the opportunity to go through a little bit of the demonstrations with uh, David Morgan and with some virtual reality. And uh, he said 550 and internationally, meaning, meaning some whole countries have adopted 40, it. I think it's 44 countries right now we're in. It's yeah. amazing. The international police agencies, they're so much greater. You know, the median size agency in America, I think 75% are 50 to 50 officers or less. And then you go to 100. But then, you know, we have, I think, in 
the Americas, maybe 79 would we consider major cities. Yeah. These countries are national departments with 100,000, 200,000 police officers, a much different uh, policing uh, take. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm one of the skeptics. When I heard about the Bolo, I thought, holy Toledo. Now we're going to, I mean, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, an officer pulling this device out and waving it around his head and throwing it and skipping it. And, and I was, and I have heard, and I've actually seen a demonstration of the sound and the light device and Sid Heal, a commander from LAPD, a SWAT expert, uh, talked about the technology that they're, they're out there, but we're just, maybe we don't have the guts to use them, but the Bolo is a different device. Can you describe the, the mechanics of it? And what situations would it be used in? Okay. You know, at first, listen, like I said, you've been on the job. We don't like change in policing. Somebody's going to say, hey, we have this new device. So once you get over that hill and we've done that, people are open to it. So the scenarios would be somebody who's not being compliant, somebody in emotional crisis, somebody intoxicated, somebody that you know that you have to take into custody, but it's not resisting. But it's not to the point where you want to use a electronic device, a baton, gas, unnecessarily. We had a chief in uh, Texas see a guy who was wanted on a warrant, walks up, they make eye contact, and before the guy could take off, chief wrapped him around the legs. Wow. Great use. Uh, scenarios are fluid. Sure. So it's kind of interesting, you know, where it could be used. But we're seeing now that in uh, Tempe, Arizona, we did a demo for the mayor and city council. The next day they go out, they have a guy who has a uh, stun gun in his hand walking down one of their busiest streets obstructing traffic. And now the cops get there on bikes and say, hey, stop, stop. You know, we, we you need to get out of traffic. And they basically warn him, bola, 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 put the line laser on him, wrap him around his legs. He stops right there in his place. Like what just happened? This loud bang is discharged by a partial 380 bang. So there's mm -hmm. a loud noise and they call it the oodle loop. Like for three to five seconds, you don't know what happened. Right. And it gives the officers time to go in and securely take their hands, put them behind their back while they're caught in this place. But what is happening? You know, we've seen people fall down. It doesn't have the inertia to knock you down, but people fall down because they're conditioned. Oh, maybe I just got shot with something. I better run. I better run. But more often than not, they just have this stunned look. They, I've seen the videos over. They just look down like, what just happened to me? And the cops walk in, put their hands behind them. Suicide by cop, another opportunity. Sure. We had one happen in Ohio where I want to die. I want to die. You know, I want, you know, it's going on the conversation and they, and they wrap him and he, he stands there. And he basically says, oh, I thought I took it like a man. What happened here? You know, it's just amazing. So the scenarios are maybe ones that aren't very active. But if you have multiple officers, and let's say somebody does want suicide by cop, and they have a sharp edge or whatever it may be, and you have several officers, this is an option to secure them and maybe distract them from doing something worse. We've seen incidents around America where we kind of cringe and say, God, is that the only choice cops had? Right. So now, you know, we put maybe electronic device on everybody's waist. We have to think about, is there another option? And I say, yes. And I say that confidently because I think people are going to ask, why didn't you use this device? Right. If you would have had it. And it's, it's, uh, it's that time. So it's an eight foot Kevlar cord that moves very fast from 10 feet to 25 feet. At 10 feet, by the time I discharge, you cannot see it and it's on you. It has a line laser for it hits exactly where that line laser is. So you target from the thighs to the ankles or the elbows to the wrist. And I'm telling you, in my 33 years, this is like an aha moment, you know, because people have asked for us to do our job more humanely with more consideration, sanctity of life. So if we go through these process steps, learn to communicate better, you know, 
why we're doing them. I think we'll see we come out on the other side much better. Yeah. So, okay. I like the description and I'm thinking of situations when it could be used, probably not when the suspect's running. Well, you know, you say that, and then I would say, I agree with you. We don't recommend for running it, but in Seattle, there was a young man running in and out of traffic and he, it's in Mount Lake and he was taking off. He wanted to jump off the bridge. So it looks like from 15 feet away, they shoot the bowler wrap. It tangles him up, not a great wrap, but it tangles him up and makes him fall down. Save the kid's life. You know, so I think, you know, officers are very creative on how they handle things. Tasing him wouldn't have worked at that distance. You know, shooting gas wouldn't have worked. What are you going to throw something? They pulled out the ball wrap and they used it successfully. Yeah. So it's a lot harder when somebody's running and the legs are spread and their arms are apart. But we see more often than not people who are in a mental health crisis being uncooperative, you know, walking away. And in most scenarios, when you first start, most of them are at that level. What happens is sometimes things escalate. And when they escalate past a point where we'd be successful, you have to look at the higher, uh, more painful uh, tools that we have at our opportunity. Sure. Yes. So the compliance gets a little higher. And I've seen the, 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 it looks like a TV remote and it's got a two prongs that eject from the, the unit and I, you know, taking a close look and it looks like little repelling hooks on the end of it. And um, those projectiles go out, they go, you know, I don't know, a couple feet apart and then do a wrap somehow aerodynamics, they wrap. So it's an eight foot cord. So if I put the line laser on one of your legs, I'm gonna have three feet clearance on both sides of you. As soon as that hits you, that swings around faster than you can imagine. You know, and I like the thighs because, you know, being a cops, you know, people take a fighting stance. You take that thighs away from them, everything else will fall in place. Right. Some people like the arms, but I think, what that grabs the material and it hooks. And if you start to resist and push, the hooks will press against your skin. Mm. Another deterrent. Yeah. Most people, I would think, when they get an idea of well, why is that line laser on me? You know, they watch enough TV. Am I going to get shot? Yeah, they would comply. So I think there's different levels to get compliance. So yeah. people will give up. Well, as often as often the case, I'm going to be devil's advocate. But first, I'd like to stop for a second and thank our sponsor. PoliceOne.com is the number one resource for your up-to-the-minute law enforcement news, training, and incident analysis. Our mission is to provide you with the information you need to better protect your communities and your safety. Becoming a Police One member is quick, easy, and free. Once registered, you will receive access to secure law enforcement-only training and video tips, articles and sections, and a subscription to our award-winning law enforcement newsletters. Go to policeone.com forward slash registration to sign up today. That's police one, the number one.com forward slash registration. And we are back and I am talking with Chief Don DeLuca from Miami Beach, retired past president of IACP, and he's with the RAP. And we're talking about the BOLO and, and some other training aids and uh, devices that could help in situations that might call for otherwise use of force. Of course, I'm going to ask, what's the criticism been and what's the response been from, you know, the usual detractors, the ACLU and others that are saying, here, here it is, the police arming themselves with yet another weapon. Well, you know, I think that's a great question. And uh, so I've been fortunate enough to travel the country. And when I was at uh, Ferguson Police Department, the ACLU was actually there, or the Urban League, I apologize. 
And he was a retired lieutenant of police who said, you know, this is a humane restraint. Perfect. And so I took that phrase because, you know, what a great thing to call a tool. Another one, I was up in Philadelphia with the Philadelphia clergy and members from uh, ACLU. And sure enough, one of those days, they wrap me, wrap me. And so the gentleman stands up and says, wrap me. And he has on a dress shirt. I wrap him and a hook hits him in the side. And I go, you okay? He goes, yeah, the hook got in my skin. And I walk away and he goes, here, he pops it out. And I go, hey, I'm so sorry. You know, that's, I do this every day. And then he goes, hey, it's better than getting shot, chief. I go, thank you. It's the truth. Would you rather remove a fish hook? Or would you rather have something that causes you pain? We can shoot beanbags at you. We could tase you. So I think, you know, I've become extremely confident that, you know, nice to have, need to have, given the climate of policing, what can I afford, not afford? You can't afford not to have a non-lethal tool, an apprehension tool, and stop a situation before it escalates to using a pain-compliant tool. Right. And I think that's the big part. Uh, I think the, what is, what could be possibly downside? You don't bring a bowler up to a gunfight. Exactly. Right. That was my and next. So question. this is, you know, this is the tool when if somebody's got a gun in their hand, you're not going to pull out the bowler up. You're going to pull out your firearm and it's the proper training and, and policing. You know, there's 18,000 departments. We need to train at a level we've never trained before. You know, obviously we have the conversation of police reform. So we have to do our job better. So we have to better train. We better have to give better tools. And I think the bowler wrap is one of those solutions. And I know you were going to get into another topic that is on the front burner for rap technology, too. Yeah. So in closing about the BOLO, I'm assuming that it's just like any extended range impact weapon that in a situation maybe where the suspect may be armed with a blunt object or maybe even an edged weapon, if there's, you know, safe distance that you may employ the bolo with an officer standing with the real thing as a backup. Is that right? Yeah. So I, you know, when given those hot calls, we'll say where somebody might have a baseball bat or a shovel. If there's multiple officers, somebody can have the lethal and somebody can have the non-lethal. But uh, we've had some agencies say where the chief says, we're going to train this with our weak hand. So you always can get your firearm out. So it really comes down to the training and we do the master training for agencies and you know, we drive home, you know, this is the ABCs of the bowler wrap, when to use it, what our recommendations are. But as in the scenario in uh, Washington, the kid running to jump off a bridge, never say never, it saved the kid's life. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, so, okay, so I'm convinced of the bowler wrap. I, I was, like I said, I was a skeptic at first. I, I see a use. I, I certainly can imagine the scenarios where we it would be, you know, better employed than physical force and an officer risking injury by tangling up with this suspect. So, you know, while I was up there, I think uh, David had a, a captive audience and he put the headset on me. And to my surprise, it was a virtual reality training kit. And I've seen other virtual reality training. And of course, I think the, you know, the, the place that most of us jump to if we haven't experienced it is the old video games, right? So now it is so much more sophisticated. It is realistic. The scenarios change. The force options are there, including the bolo. And um, and so how effective, what's your response in, in the agencies that are using your virtual reality training? So, you know, Jim, I think we're touching on another topic is how do we train our officers? You know, the budget dollars that go into training, the return on investment, so I think this is just another avenue going forward. So instead of taking an officer out for eight hours 
You can do training during overlap, put on the headset. And I think you'll agree with me. You're totally immersed. It's 360 up and down all the yes. way. So if you're doing a traffic stop, you feel those cars buzzing by you. You feel the person yell at you. I mean, I've watched people and as their voices go up, you could tell their pulse, but this is the type of thing where we're tracking where your eyes go. Mm -hmm. If you shoot a firearm, where those bullets actually went, it's real life scenarios. So when we all of a sudden have to train on, you know, duty to intervene, you can role play, but it's not the same. Shooting at a target's not the same. Right. Shooting at uh, the old fats machine, it's not the same. So if you can totally immerse somebody, it'll never be the same as the actual act itself. I think we're going to get more out of it. The, the data says that you will retain more. Your training time is cut in half. And so when you're fighting over budget dollars and personnel, why wouldn't you do it? I think currently we have over 35 different scenarios we run through, given the conversation where the officer takes it, uses the wrong word, we can escalate the response. And obviously we're hoping that doesn't happen, but it's imagine training right there on the spot. You get to now when the scenario is over, you get to step in and watch how you behave like a third party. I think it's incredible. Today's cops grew up different than you and I did. Right. Sure. I mean, we shot a target and thought that was the end all be all with the 357. Right. The world is fast. Right. And this training is going to give them something that it's not the real experience of, you know, you know, in a gun range, but it's pretty damn close when your brain believes and you walk the plank. <laughs> when you believe that you could fall off a 45 foot story building and you're standing on a, an office floor, that's pretty good. I think you're training well. And I've seen majors of police, how they respond to it. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Before we did it, uh, David asked me if I was afraid of heights. I said, no. And I walked out on the plank. He said, okay, now you can step off the plank and you know, you're about 80 stories high. And my mind said, don't do it. So the, the virtual reality training is so much more sophisticated. And at the very least, it gives you a chance to see what an officer would do in a situation the first time rather than reality being that first time. And you, you might get them thinking about the other options that they may have. And the, the more often you use it, the more you drill it and, and build that intelligence, then the likelihood they will resort to those other um, options in the field. So um, any other, any other, future um, products in uh, research and development coming out? You can't talk, probably can't I talk, can't about, talk it. about it. But I can tell you this, that policing is only going to get better with RAP technology, you know, looking forward. They have some of the best engineers there. You know, Tom Smith is our CEO, very progressive thinker, pushing the envelope. But I think, you know, as a profession, we need to grow. This is a gut check moment. I think we'd all agree after the past year, you know, the one action of one officer impacts 800,000 of us. Sure. So we have to be ready for that moment when our officers, or you talk about your family members or my family members on the job today, everybody's watching you. Everybody's got a camera. So we have to prepare them for that moment, you know, when they're saying, what choice do I make? So I think training is a big part of it. And mm -hmm. I'm glad you talked about the VR. I think Bowler Wrap is one of many solutions, but right now it's the only solution in that space of communication to pain compliance that you can use to change the direction of the vet, you know? Well, thanks. Thanks so much for taking the time and, and telling us about the product and and the options that officers are going to see uh, real soon if they don't have it already. Uh, 550 agencies uh, using the technology. Thanks for being on the program. Don DeLuca, former chief Miami Beach PD. And um, thanks for the experience. I appreciate the time. And listen, I appreciate what Police One does for policing.
All right. And if you're listening, check it out. There will be a link under the show notes. And uh, if you, you don't employ it at your agency, check it out, do a simulation and tell me what you think. Write us at policing matters at police1.com. That's policing matters at police1one.com. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear your feedback and uh, be safe. Take good care and listen in again soon.